0: Love telling you about Boyer's Coffee. You can find them at boyerscoffee.com. And they're terrific. They've been brewed in Colorado since 1965. It's fresh. It's consistently good. My go-to is the Aspen Gold. That's my favorite but they have so many great flavors. In fact, they have the new Mountain Reserve coffee, which has been inspired by the 14ers. They have Rocky Mountain Thunder, that's an oldie but goodie, hazelnut, French vanilla. How about this? Chocolate mousse, coconut cream, great flavors, consistently well done. And again, they've been here since 1965. They have great coffee, you can find it in your local market. Or the easiest way is go online, to boyerscoffee.com check out all of their wonderful products and have it delivered right to your house man. that's simple that's how I like to get it done I like the K-Cups but if you brew your own you're going to be blown away by how many uh, great flavors they have boyerscoffee boyerscoffee.com steel products are the best not just me telling you that they're recognized by amateurs like you and me and the professionals out there. In fact, I was on the road recently and we I was running and I passed some workers that were uh, utilizing chainsaws and blowers on the sidewalk. And guess what product they were using? These are the pros. They're using steel, S-T-I-H-L. And so they probably go to steeldealers.com because there's more than 10,000 right around the corner, more than 10,000 dealers. And if you go online to steeldealers.com or steelusa.com, that's S-T-I-H-L, you're going to look and find a product that makes sense for you, whether it's a chainsaw, whether it's a trimmer. Blower, or maybe it's just to cut the lawn. They have the product for you. They have battery operated, they have gas powered, they have electric, and guess what? They're all made here in the USA, made in America. Steeldealers.com and SteelUSA.com. That's S T I H L. Check them out.
1: This week. On the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies left-hander Kyle Freeland on battling to the bitter end. I take pride in that. I, I never want to give in. Whether I give up nine runs or no runs, I'm going to be out there fighting until Buddy takes a ball from me. And what it was like pitching against his old friend David Peterson last Saturday at City Field. But you got to tip your cap to, to Dave last night for what he did. He kept our offense at bay. He kept them off balance all night long. Uh, Strikeouts, weak contacts, and he was was grooving out there. Um, It was fun to watch from my seat here in the dugout, and it was fun to compete against him, uh, trying to mash him pitch for pitch. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a
0: friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Podcast number 165. And this show is emanating from Atlanta, Georgia. The ATL, as it's known. After spending several days last week in my hometown of uh, the Big Apple, it's always good to be back in New York, always enjoy being back in New York, and uh, this particular trip was special because the Rockies got to witness an old-timers day in New York at Citi Field that hadn't taken place since 1994, and... I've always said this about having the great privilege, and I mean great privilege, to do what I do. It's not just a love of the Rockies and wanting to see the Rockies do well and you know, suffering the frustrations like all of you when uh, the team does not play well and has poor seasons and that sort of thing. It's also being a part of Major League Baseball, being a part of sport, and witnessing Individual greatness, collective greatness. I mean, you can hate the Dodgers all you want, but you know you admire you know their consistency, and it's not just consistency in you know being pretty good. It's consistent in being elite, at least during the regular season, because they haven't won many World Championships. We know that. Um, so you know that's one example. The other aspect that for me makes my job. So thrilling, and again, I feel so fortunate to do what I do is when you witness some of these individual um, accomplishments or special moments. Old Timers Day in New York this year was a really special moment. I think it was special for everyone, not just someone like myself who grew up a Mets fan and first came to recognize baseball in and around the time that the Mets were the miracle Mets capturing the world championship in 1969, the amazing Mets. Um, it, uh, it it went beyond that. And listen, earlier this year when we were in Detroit, you got to see Miguel Cabrera produce his 3,000th hit and be a small part of that, be a witness to that, Special going back when Craig Biggio went 5-for-5 five five down in Houston and produced his 3,000th hit against the Rockies. We saw Ichiro do it at Coors Field. Even as I guess disheartening as it was in the moment to see Clayton Kershaw no-hit the Rockies at Dodger Stadium in what was that, 2014, 2015, whatever year it was, you, took, you you still could take a step back and go, man, that was a remarkable achievement, and what a game he just threw. And so you can appreciate, again, greatness, um, unique, special moments when they transpire. Well, guess what? Being in New York, being in Queens specifically at City Field, Saturday late afternoon in what was a beautiful afternoon weather-wise, and watching you know 60 some odd guys get introduced many of them not looking a thing like they were former athletes you know some of them needing help to get to you know the middle of the diamond it was so cool and yeah probably made more so because of my You know, the fact that I grew up there and the fact that I was a Mets fan, um, you know, as a kid and and through adolescence and, and through college, et cetera. But I'm telling you, it had an impact on anyone that's a baseball fan, anyone that observes sports. And I was standing in the dugout, the Rockies dugout, and there were, you know, at the time, half the players being introduced were on you know in the Rockies dug out in the other half where the Mets dug ultimately when they played the you know the two inning and i put this in air quotes game cuz let me tell you what i go to fantasy camp every year and there's a wide mix of, of of ages and talent levels at fantasy camp the fantasy camp games are far better in terms of execution and they're not great um than what we witnessed in the you know the two innings of the old timer game but it, it, that's so irrelevant but all the players went over to the Mets dugout because the bottom line is they just want to commiserate and and, and and shoot the shit together and, and see old friends and that sort of thing. But the introductions you know were awesome. And what was really cool for me to witness was current Rockies who have no attachment, to the Mets may not have ever heard of a good number of the players that were there, ex-players. Many of the Rockies, current Rockies, they were in the dugout and they were in a corner of the dugout, because you know the main part of the dugout were, were these ex-players. Um, and they were all watching and they were all listening. And they could all relate because they're all brothers. They're all related there, there, there's uh, this rare group of 22,000 some odd, maybe it's 23,000 now, uh, of players all time that have played in the major leagues. It is a unique and exclusive group. And they showed great appreciation, these Rockies players, current Rockies players, for the, the folks that came before them. And they were moved by the ceremony. And I will tell you that I'm standing there and listening to Howie Rose, the longtime radio voice of the Mets, introduce each of these players with a little snippet of some of their accomplishments in a Mets uniform. Because obviously these guys played, many of them played for other teams and maybe more prominently for other teams. But I'm standing there, and I look to my right at one point, and Kyle Freeland's standing next to me. Kyle Freeland, who's you're going to hear from uh, in, in a little bit on this podcast. And I wasn't surprised at Kyle's presence ordinarily, because I know Kyle appreciates the history of the game and the people that came before him. But I know Kyle, when he pitches, and he was pitching that night, he's, as many pitchers are, he's in his own world, and he's not going to be distracted by anything. But he didn't want to miss this. And he was out there, not just take a look for a couple of moments and and take a peek, okay, this is what the fuss is about. He stayed out there, and he watched uh, pretty much in its entirety. Um, and, you know, it didn't, it didn't affect his preparation. And I, and I talked to him just a little bit uh, in the dugout, and, you know, he knew a lot of the names. And I, I was struck by the fact that so many guys were out there. Because I think frequently now we look at the modern-day athlete and say, well, they don't know the history of the game, they don't know who came before them, whatever sport we're talking about. And I didn't see that with, with so many Rockies who came out. I had a conversation with Wynton Bernard. I was kind of blown away by this. Wynton Bernard's a San Diego kid. Yeah, he went to school in Niagara uh, or, or in Buffalo at Niagara University. But having you know, grown up in New York, Buffalo, New York to New York City, might as well be Nome, Alaska. It is eight hours out to the west, most extreme western portion of the state is closer to Cleveland. Um, He never really got to New York City. He thought when he was going from San Diego to Niagara, he goes, oh, well, we'll probably go down to the city, you know, frequently or on weekends or whatever. That never came about because they were so far away. But anyhow, Wynton Bernard told me that he had read Jeff Perlman's very fascinating read, When the Bad Guys Won, I think think that's the, the title of it, I've read the book. Um and it was about the eighty-six Mets Championship. They were a, a tremendous team. They won 108 games during the regular season. They had the famous Game Six play where Mookie Wilson's ground ball, you know, went through the legs of Billy Buckner as every baseball fan, every sports fan knows, and then the Mets fell behind in game seven, but they ultimately won it. Daryl Strawberry hit a big home run in that game. Well, when Bernard's telling me, he goes, I read that book a couple of times. He goes, it fascinates me, the whole story of all those guys, the Goodens, the Strawberries, the Gary Carters, the Keith Hernandez's, the Lenny Dykstra's. And he, he was recounting that. And I told him, we shared a moment, because I told him that my dad, who passed away a year and a half ago, was a lifelong Mets fan because he was a New York Giant baseball fan growing up three blocks from Yankee Stadium and he'd walk across the uh, Harlem River and go to the polo grounds because it was passed on to him that you're a Giant fan his, his father, my grandfather was a Giant fan and that's how it kind of works in New York it's passed on generation to generation so even though Yankee Stadium was literally you'd look out the window and see it hated the Yankees, was a giant fan. Worked the press gate in 1951 when Willie Mays came up as a rookie. And that famous 51 team, the shot heard round the world, he was actually there at the polo grounds. And so the, so I gave my dad that book in the last weeks of his life. The final book that he read, and he was a voracious reader, was that Jeff Perlman book chronicling when the bad guys won the story of the 86 Mets and here I'm talking with San Diego kid who's you know 31 gonna be 32 this fall Wynton Bernard and he had read the book not once but twice so anyhow a lot of those guys were there not all of them but a lot of those guys were there so um, I have to tell you it, it was very moving the whole experience and then It's almost like you didn't notice um, and didn't think a a lot about it because these guys are getting introduced and they're going out there. But around the pitcher's mound was this something or other that had a tarp over it. Not a tarp, but, you know, a a cloth over it. Pretty significant. And you're wondering, well, what's that all about? But you, you weren't focused on it. And then you realize what is transpiring when they say look at the video board and they run highlights of Willie Mays who spent his final couple of years in a Mets uniform. And the story is told that Joan Payson, who was the owner of the Mets and was a lifelong New York Giant fan, and when the Giants went west to to San Francisco in 58 like the Dodgers, when the Mets came to be in 62, she made a vow that when she would do everything she could to bring Willie Mays back and would would retire Willie Mays's number and ultimately she never had an opportunity to do that but you know a generation later I mean almost 50 years later from when he retired they retired Willie Mays's number 24 and I was moved to tears I really was And it wasn't just me, a native New Yorker moved to tears. My partners, Corey Sullivan, Ryan Spielborg, said the same thing. There were other people there that that felt that emotion. Arguably the greatest player ever. And the Mets retired his number uh, 24. It was just fabulous to see it up close, to be there in person. And again, I I keep stating this, not just because I grew up a Mets fan and and I'm from there and feel a particular bond. If you're a baseball fan, if you're a major league player, they felt it as well. And I I just can't tell you how how cool it was. And And I guess it was summed up by Howie Rose, who's been doing the Mets on radio forever. And Howie Rose said in the aftermath of the ceremony that he's done World Series games, he's done numerous playoff games, he's done other significant games, Johan Santana finally uh, throwing a no-hitter in that the Mets, with all their great pitching historically, had never had a no-hitter. And he said, this trumps everything. This, that old-timers day was like his greatest moment as a Mets broadcaster. And, um, so again, really, really cool to, to see that and witness that up close. And then to see Willie Mays and have his, see his, his Jersey retired. And Willie's still with us. You know, I, I know he's not super well, he's in his early nineties, but he had a message that how he read and re- and, um, you know the the crowd again was moved by you know Willie Mays's words, and I recollect, and I and I thought I was maybe off on this, but I but I actually think I it's uh, w- was accurate in this that I'm watching on television Willie Mays's first game coming from San Francisco to New York, and I and I thought he had hit a home run into the bullpen in left, and sure enough, he did. It it was in May his first game and he did Homer in his, in his uh, first New York Mets at bat, which it doesn't seem like the great ones, the truly great ones always do something remarkable where you think, man, they just turned back the clock. We were talking about Albert Poole's last week. He's turning back the clock for God's sakes. Well, Willie Mays was now kind of a broken down guy in his forties and yet he turned back the clock and he hit, the home run in his first game, and he had some some memorable hits in the postseason as well. In '73, when the Mets, um, you know, ended up taking on the Oakland A's, so again, it, it was special. It was it was really really neat. So I wanted to share that uh, naturally. It also kind of reminded me uh, a little bit of. Um, what I witnessed the other day, very very quickly, with Serena Williams in the celebration of her uh, career at the U.S. Open, and especially for an American, but I think for any great tennis player, the U.S. Open—it's it, Wimbledon in the U.S. Open—and you know, for an American tennis player to have New York serenade you and say goodbye to you, and of course. We don't know when. As I taped this, she's playing tonight. She won her first round match, and then they had the long ceremony, uh, kind of hosted by Gail King on the court. And some people I was with said it's kind of awkward. She won. I mean, she—it's not her career is not over yet. You know, she's got another match. But she didn't know when. And to celebrate it um, as was done, I thought was was highly appropriate. And, uh, and also very moving, I keep coming back to that um, term for Serena, who has done so much for the game of tennis, you think back to when she was 17, um, the Williams sisters story is a remarkable one, and it opened the door, truly opened the door for so many people of color. To say, wait a second, I, I, that game is does does not have to exclude me. I can be a tennis player, just like Tiger Woods has opened up the game. You know, these country club sports, which were Lily White, um, are no longer so. Which is the way it should be, obviously. Um, but uh, Serena, tremendous champion. She's always handled herself with with grace and dignity. And um, it's, again, I've said this so many times on this podcast. It's why we love sports, man. When you can witness greatness, when you can uh, witness amazing accomplishments, or in this case, celebrate, you know, decades of great accomplishments. Um, so that's my thought on Serena. Hey, real quick, I want to go back to the old-timers thing and how it relates to the Rockies, or could relate to the Rockies. The Rockies have played 30 Major League seasons now. They'll conclude that in in another month. Next year will be the 30th anniversary season, actually the 31st season. I really believe, and this comes up periodically, that the Rockies should have a Hall of Fame, their own Hall of Fame. There are enough significant players in their history that would warrant starting that and I, I'd love to see it done the Rockies are, I think are doing a better job of embracing you know, some of their history and bringing some guys back and I would like to see it in a formal Hall of Fame that's number one number two I remember, I didn't mention this I remember as a kid seeing old timers games I think I had gone to one in the past they hadn't had one with the Mets since 1994, and, and good for Steve Cohen, the owner, to resurrect it uh, with the Mets. Well, what guess what? The Rockies now have a significant enough history that they could put an old-timers day together, and it doesn't just have to be the Walkers and the Heltons and the Dante Bichettes, the, the guys that were iconic. Absolutely bring those guys back. But you could... You know, have Gabe White, uh, uh, Marvin Freeman, guys that that had really nice moments were several moments in a Rockies uniform. Brent Maine, who got a victory as a as a catcher having a pitch in an extra inning game, crowd give him a big round of applause. And To see these guys again, I, it would be such a hit. And it's it's less about the 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 silly two inning old timers game though people would watch and go oh man that guy still looks good in a uniform shoot he you know he just hit the ball uh you know to the warning track or whatever it is it's more about seeing those guys again and seeing where they are and kind of reminiscing and that's why old timers games are are cool I remember being at Yankee Stadium uh, a bunch of years ago the Rockies were playing the Yankees it was old timers day Yogi Berra was still alive he was in uniform. Frazier, you know, my partner, George, was was in uniform. And they, uh, listen, it's the Yankees, so they can really throw an old-timers day. Um, but I think the Rockies are old enough now that it, it's worth taking a look at. And I think, uh, you know, the great Rockies fans would really embrace it. They'd have a huge crowd. It would be a fun day. And that's part of the beauty of baseball. You play so many games that you can do things like that and have – special days um, that move the meter. All right. Told you that Kyle Freeland uh, with me this week. I really respect the hell out of Kyle Freeland. I I love the story uh, because we're Coloradans, right? Talk all about New York, but I've been in Colorado for 36 years. And kyle is through and through a colorado and he stamped it on his body tattooed it on his body he's a colorado rocky a first round pick he helped lead the rockies um in 2018 uh you know into the postseason won that game in chicago he had an extraordinary year probably should have finished higher than fourth in the cy young voting. you know what kind of vicious competitor he is and kyle's really honest man he's a great competitor yes um He's a tremendous Rocky, yes, uh, but he's also really honest, really forthright. And that's why I think uh, when we have him on, it's always an enjoyable conversation. Uh, So this week, we had a lot to talk about, and uh, I know uh, you're going to appreciate it. It's our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week. The left-handed starter from Thomas Jefferson High School, Kyle Freeland. hey first and
1: foremost how you holding up it's uh as we tape this it's latter part of august how's the body feel it's doing all right you know we're we're getting into those those long days of august and uh in september where you know you you start having to really focus on your body and uh and how you're doing you know day in day out start to start making sure that you're doing everything that you possibly can to make sure that you're feeling good uh for that fifth day um but yeah you know. The seasons this is where it starts getting long you got to make sure that you're doing all the right things
0: how weird or i don't know if that's the right term was it for you at city field where you look across and, and you knew for a couple days you're going to match up with a guy who's a, who's a close friend he's in your wedding you're in his wedding grew up together in colorado for, for us i know it was a neat story david peterson and the 26 year old will be making his 16th Started, But year, for you, the competing against them, was it different? Or once you walked out there, it's like, I'm trying to get Mets out?
1: Um, You know, I, I had, it, was, it was one of those games where, you know, I, I had some butterflies going. You know, it's, just, it's a special game for both of us. It's the first time we've been able to go against each other uh, head-to-head uh, at the big league level in, in our entire career. So, you know, it's, it's exciting. Um, but, you know, when we when we saw each other out in outfield, uh, when we were stretched and we gave each other quick hug quick good luck um but you know that that was it because uh you know we were both we were both focused at that time and both, but we wanted to wish each other luck um but we knew we had a job to do we uh, and we were looking to win a win a baseball game for our team um but being able to you know, go out there every single inning and you know try to match him and him match me it, it, was, it was truly a blessing to be able to do that and, and to be able to call him one of my best friends and uh and know the kind of guy that he is, the kind of family man that he is, the father that he is. It's just, it's awesome to be able to be a part of that and, and be able to share a game like that with him.
0: What's the origin of the relationship? I mean, you went to TJ, he went to Regis. When
1: did you guys become buddies? Uh, so we, we, we first met, um, so we had the same uh, trainer uh, in the offseason in Denver, Nick Vinson. Um, I was trained with Nick once I got into pro ball. Um, I met Nick through Max George and uh dave was home uh during break when he was still at oregon and he came in to get a workout in with nick and that's where i first met him um and you know kind of from right there just the friendship grew. uh started getting to know each other more started working out together more uh our wives or at the time girlfriends met and uh it, it just took off from there it was one of those friendships that just immediately clicked uh we messed really well together we we interest in the same thing obviously you know baseball golf um a whole lot of stuff but he was he he was one of those guys that you know we were able to see eye to eye on everything on and uh just yeah like i said immediately clicked is it a colorado thing or a lefty thing man it's not just pitching is it a lefty thing (laughs) yeah you know i think i think it's both uh i think the lefty thing goes goes hand in hand you know um he's weird in his ways i'm weird in my ways um but it's uh it's awesome to see um, both of us you know be able to do this at the big league level and, and and uh and know that you know we got a got ourselves a nice friendship i know how uh, gifted you are playing golf how it's a passion of yours is he uh is he in your league uh he, he's pretty good um he hasn't beaten me yet um he, he's gotten he's gotten better and better over the years I've, as i've uh, as i've played with him um but he, he's long and lanky like he's he's got a few inches on me he's got those long arms so he's He's standing pretty far away from the ball, but he's a he's a good golfer. Um, we have some good competitions out there on the course. How neat was it,
0: as you travel around the country and and you play baseball for a living, and you know you go to other stadiums, and, and there may be oh this guy's getting a number retired. Well, yesterday, and I saw because I was standing next to you in the dugout, and as you know, I grew up here, and I and I grew up as a Mets fan, and they have an old timers' day. And it was interesting, it really was for me, I didn't want to say it to you yesterday, but it was interesting because you're pitching that night, and I know how focused you are when you compete. But you took it all in. What struck you about the, the whole proceedings, if you will?
1: Yeah, you know, when, when I found out that, you know, old-timers day was going to be on my start day, um, I, I knew I had to go out and, and witness it and, and be able to soak it all in, even though it was on my start day. And, and it was early enough, and, and I, I... I had plenty of time i was able to set my schedule where you know i'd be able to you know come out here and and check things out and be able to you know witness you know true legends of the game on the field um and and be able to share share that moment with them and and witness them back on the diamond you know saying hi to one another getting to play baseball and you know laugh with them shake some hands stuff like that It, it was it was one thing that i made sure i wanted to do um and the fact that you know it lined up where we were in New York uh, playing the Mets when they had Old Timers Day, it's it's special because you know those guys are, are true legends of the game, and it's really cool that the Mets Mets do this uh, every so often and you know recognize guys who have done um, and accomplished great things with their organization, and just to be able to be in some of those guys' presence um, and watch them faces light up, smiling. Begin to get around the guys again and and just enjoy the game of baseball like like they used to uh it it was great to see
0: one of the things i take away from it is that you know the competition is great and you have certain memories of of when you competed and and maybe moments in time for you a pitch you made or for for a position player you know a swing of the bat but at the end of the day it's the camaraderie it's the clubhouse it's the dugout it, it's the relationships isn't it
1: yeah you, you see these guys you know they may have they may have seen some of these guys a few weeks ago they may not have seen them for years and it's and when, when you see people like that you know ex teammates um, teammates that you've been with for a long time it's it's like once you see them again you're picking up right where you left off it's it's like no time has passed at all and that, and that's what I that's what I got to witness. Uh, yesterday, with with majority of those guys, is is the smiles on their faces when, when they when they saw someone that they played with uh, for a long time or that they haven't seen forever. It's just it was just an immediate click of we're we're back together and it's like nothing has ever changed.
0: You know what got me and and uh, I'm not an overly emotional guy, but I teared up when they when they unveiled the 24 because my dad always told me the greatest player he ever saw was Willie Mays and. They kept that a big secret. I don't know. Maybe you do about I have no it, idea. but that was pretty pretty wild.
1: Yeah, no, I think that uh, that shocked the world uh, when they did that. I was I wasn't expecting that, and apparently, uh, you know, according to social media and, and the public, uh, no one else really knew it was coming either. Um, but what, what a great thing for them to for them to do, um, especially on old-timers Day, retiring his number. You know an absolute legend in the game and and had done so much for the mets and you know new york and his community and you know leaving his stamp on baseball you know um really happy that his his number here finally got retired
0: yeah you you mentioned new york and again i have a bias being from here and and you know the Yankees typically are great. The Mets obviously are very, very good this year. When you have had the occasion to pitch here,
1: it, does it feel different? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's New York. Um, you know, whenever, whenever those those two words are put together, uh, you know you know it's going to be interesting. It's going to be special. And you know whether I get to pitch here uh, at Citi Field or at Yankee Stadium, it's. It's special because I mean these the fans of New York, you know, the pride of New York is always gonna show out no matter what. And their passion for this game and for their teams, you know, it's it's branded into them and, and it is something that will never leave them. So whenever you get to compete against a fan base like that and a team like that that has so much strength and numbers behind them, it's, it's a lot of fun, and, and it's, it's like you said, those, those moments that stick with you that you remember.
0: I've been around you enough, and I've obviously witnessed every game you pitch at the big league level, and I, and I know when there's a special game, we always say, right guy on the mound because of the way you compete. And, and yesterday, even though I know today you're pissed off, your club lost, uh, but... It was for me almost a quintessential Kyle Freeland outing, in that you get nicked early, but you know at the end of the day, you you always keep your team in the game. Do you take special pride in that?
1: Yeah, you know the the Mets did a really good job last night of of you know getting my pitch count up early, making me work early, and forcing me to make an adjustment. Um, and, you know, thankfully I was able to make an adjustment and, and change some things on, on how I was attacking them and was able to kind of lower my pitch count as, as the game went on, was able to keep the team in it, uh, you know, through five innings uh, for my start. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I take pride in that. I, I never want to give in. Um, I mean, whether I give up nine runs or no runs, I'm going to be out there fighting until Buddy takes the ball from me. Um, but you got to tip your cap to, to Dave last night for – what he did he kept our offense at bay he kept them off balance all night long uh strikeouts weak contacts and he was he was grooving out there um it was fun to watch from my seat here in the dugout and it was fun to compete against him uh trying to match him pitch for pitch
0: quick time out and then more with kyle freeland of the rockies in a moment but uh, first is for my guys at ideal home loans it's brent ivinson's company he's been uh doing this In the Rocky Mountain region, as I tell you all the time, for more than 20 years down in Arizona as well, their phone number is 303-867-7000. Now, listen up. If you have credit card debt, Ideal Home Loans can really help you out because too often people with credit cards, they get themselves in a situation where... You're hurting your credit score, which then affects so many other aspects of your life. So, give Ideal Home Loans a call. They can really help you in this regard. Three zero three eight six seven seven thousand. And of course, you know their number one thing is home buyers. And people may be going, "Oh, what is the market like now?" It's actually normalizing. It's finally normalizing the craziness where you had to you know outbid somebody else and, and pay 10, 15, 20 percent over asking price. Some of that is coming back to Earth. Uh, the interest rates are moving back down. So they can help you in every aspect. pre-approval uh, process, getting your guarantee on your closing, getting that set up. And also, interest rate guarantee. You want to lock in? They'll get you set up as well on that. They'll answer all of your questions. It's Ideal Home Loans. Give them a call. 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. They can help you in so many different ways. Now back to more with Kyle Freeland of the Rockies. How disturbed are you at how this season's unfolded as a club? Because you're an individual competitor but this team sport and and the Rockies clearly not where they want to be
1: yeah um definitely wasn't I don't think any of us kind of expected to be where we're at uh right now when we started this season uh you know the big big knife to the gut was you know KB not being able to to play consistently through this season um you know is it Moving forward, next year and years prior, you know, he's he's going to be a big piece that we're than a lean on. Um, you know, because we expect him to be a staple in our lineup uh, as a consistent basis. Um, but we also know, you know, when a guy goes down, you know, slack has to be picked up. Um, and I don't think we've done a very good job of picking up the slack uh, from starting pitching to bullpen relief to defense and and to offense. Uh, you know, as, as a whole, we we have not been able to find a way to be consistent on the field day in and day out putting all the pieces together and um, you you, you look around the league you look at the teams that have winning records um, that are on rolls that are ripping off six eight game winning streaks on a consistent basis those teams are are putting all those things together on a day-to-day basis and that's what that's what winning clubs do and that's what we need to that's what we need to get to and that's what we're working towards and you know hopefully hopefully we're turning the corner soon um, you know this uh, it'll, it'll start with next year but uh, hopefully we're we're getting there where we can be winning on a consistent basis and doing all the small things and all the right things on a day-to-day basis
0: obviously you're not a general manager you know Billy Schmidt's general manager you're not knowing owner you're, not a, you're you're not buddy but you signed up here to be here for a long time you're a native you clearly care a great deal if your opinion is solicited do you have any, uh,
1: issues with, with offering up ideas, that sort of thing? No, I mean, uh, I'm sure there, this off season, uh, you know, myself and, and Bill and, you know, whoever else, but, uh, Danny, maybe Dick will, you know, we'll, we'll have our conversations of, of what we think. Um, you know, I, and I hope to be included in, in, some of those conversations. Obviously some of those conversations need to be had behind closed doors, um, but I believe it. I believe in Dick's plan. I believe in Bill's plan. I believe in our front office, and you know that's why I signed up. Um, you know we have special talent here. We have guys who want to win here. It's it's about putting it all together and making it happen, and everyone pulling in the same direction. Um, but no, I, I stand behind Bill. Um, known him for a very long time. Uh, before I was drafted, I knew him. Um, he, he was scouting me when I was at Evansville. Our relationship has grown tremendously over over the years. So he's he's a guy that. I will back 100% um, all the way. When you
0: see younger players, more so in spring training, obviously, you know, you can read about what somebody's doing in Hartford or in Fresno or in in Spokane, but do you keep in tune with that, especially in March when you see some younger players and you
1: go, you know what, that guy may have a chance down the road to help us out? Yeah, I mean... You know, when, when those young guys get those opportunities in spring training, uh, you know, you kind of want to watch. Uh, you you know that they're young, that, you know, you might not be seeing them this year in the big leagues, but you might be seeing them the next year, the following year in the big leagues. So you kind of want to pay attention to see, you know, kind of what their skill set is, how they how they go about their business. Um, and from what I've seen and the conversations that I've had with Bill about a handful of our, you know, young guys that are getting close to being MLB ready, you uh, it's exciting, uh, you, you know. You watch some of them, and and you see some of the stuff that they're flashing. You're like, all right, that that's going to play at the big league level. Um, now, now what you need to do is find that consi- consistency of what of what you're doing right there correctly and bottle it up and learn to do it over the course of 162 games. Um, so we're, we're excited. Um, you know, bills bills pointed out certain certain pieces in our minor league system that um we'll be we'll be moving and moving towards in the future and uh, i'm excited to see them at this level um and having them help us win all right a couple of random ones and i'll let you get out of
0: here when albert Pujols steps in the box we're trying to get albert puholtz out but is it pretty cool also to say there's albert puholtz and he's one of truly the greatest right handed hitters of all time and and he's still getting it done yeah. by the way
1: yeah no he uh I don't know. I don't know if he, you know, hit the fountain of youth like like a few other guys did uh this year and last year, but you know, when him getting back to St. Louis, I don't know if it was just that, you know, that home feeling for him. He he looks like a different ball player this year. Um I remember facing him, you know, last year when he was with Dodgers and you know, when he got to the plate, you know, it was, it was kind of one of those times where it was like, "All right, this is a little bit of a break in the lineup like I can I can kind of ease off the gas pedal here, and like I, I know how to get Albert out. Uh, this year was the complete opposite. Um, you know, stuck with that same game plan of I know what pitches are going to get you out, and and he's shown that. You know, he, he's made an adjustment, and obviously, you know, he's he's the machine. He's the one of the ultimate, uh, you know, legend baseball players of this of this game and of his time. And he's an, he's gonna learn how to make those adjustments. But yeah, this year, you know, when he him stepping in the box, some of the stuff that he fell off, some of the stuff that he took. Um, you know, kind of, kind of made me scratch my head. I'm like, like, man, you're, you're old. (laughs) You're not supposed to be fouling this stuff off. Um, and and he's, and he's still doing it. Um, so it's fun to watch. Um, I know, you know, he, he did the damage to us when we were in St. Louis and, and in Colorado, but being able to witness, uh, a guy like that do his thing at the age that he's at, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, only a handful, handful of people got to witness.
0: I know, and it's, and it's clear in conversation how much you appreciate the guys who who came before you, if you will. And uh, I'm sure you've done this, but if you haven't, go check out his first 10 years on Baseball Reference. It's stupid. Because he doesn't punch. Homers, you know, huge average. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I, I actually have checked it out, and it's... Uh... It's head-scratching to think that someone was able to put up those numbers on a consistent basis over the course of a decade. Yeah, and he's getting no leg hits, zero, zero leg hits, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and you know, he's just one of those guys that was, was blessed with an incredible um, skill set and work ethic and was able to put that all together and create one of the most incredible careers in baseball that you'll ever see
0: i 'm going to tease you a little bit, because I talked to Ashley about this shortly after I ran, in, ran into her so how did that had that conversation go that night when you had the little dugout tirade? you had fun with it? I like you put a band aid up or whatever the heck you did the next day. so I had that role at uh, at home as a newly married
1: guy <laughs> uh, you know there, there's a, there's a conversation about it um you know i I broke rule number one or, or a good rule of thumb of you know if you're going to snap go down the tunnel and snap uh you know get out of get out of the camera's eyes get out of the public public eyes um but yeah you know there there's a conversation about it um now you know that that stuff happens at the same time it's it's slightly embarrassing for myself so um it's embarrassing for my family uh for for me to act like that in the public eye uh but yeah like, like i said it's a rule of thumb that that i broke that i forgot about you know I was upset, I wasn't fishing well. Um I put Chaosine into that situation and my and my runs that I created that situation for, you know, ended up ended up scoring it. And, and I was hot and I and I snapped. Um, you know, it's 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 gonna happen. It's not the first time that I snapped, it's not gonna be the last time that I snapped, but um, Always dude, a good rule of thumb to go in the tunnel.
0: You know, dude, if everybody had to walk around with a camera on them, ninety-five percent of the time, or at least when they're uh, when they're doing their craft and competing, ninety-five percent of the world would snap as well. Plus, I have a camera on me up there, and I can't tell how many times I've slammed the desk, and people are like, what? "What's he upset about?" Okay. So, uh, if I was if I was in your shoes, there'd probably be a lot of broken items. But yeah. uh, anyhow. <laughs> Appreciate you always uh, visiting, man. Good luck the rest of the way. Stay healthy. So appreciate it. Always have a good time, as I said, talking to Kyle. Honest, and uh, you know, he'll tell you not only where he is, um, but he'll tell you where he feels like you know things are overall. And um, he, he's a guy that uh, he's going to be an all he's going to be an all time Rocky. But um, I always feel a level of confidence when he's on the mound even if he doesn't have great stuff just through guts and guile he's going to he's going to keep the Rockies in the game and when the atmosphere is big like it was at city field you know he can handle it when the atmosphere think of his think of his first appearance in a Rockies uniform opening day home opener against the Dodgers and he went out and dealt he's a guy that that no moment is too big for him he embraces it, just as he did at Wrigley Field in getting the Rockies over the top in that wild card game and onto the divisional round against Milwaukee. So again, props to, uh, to Kyle. The Rockies, we always love debuts. We got to talk about uh, Wynton Bernard's debut and how terrific that was just a couple of weeks ago. And the Rockies had the deb- debut in Atlanta of Michael Tolia. This one's a little different because Michael was a first round pick just a few years ago out of UCLA, a switch hitting first baseman who also can go to the outfield because he's really athletic. Big dude, 6'5", 235 pounds. And when I say it's different, it's not to slight Winton Bernard or some of the other guys that have made their debut this year or the last couple of years. But Michael Tolia is hopefully going to be part of the solution as the Rockies move forward. And so this was the beginning for Michael, a guy that's hit 30 home runs in the minor leagues this year, uh, just 17 games in Albuquerque, seven home runs, drove in 17, hit 333, 23 home runs in Hartford. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch him, you know, in the final month of the season. Uh, get his opportunity, and those, for me, are are the most meaningful debuts where you can look at a young player and say, okay, this guy, as he develops, hopefully he's going to be part of the solution. And, and the solution, obviously, where the Rockies are significantly above 500 and contending to go uh, to the postseason. Uh, so that one, for me, um, as we wind this season down, the final... 30-plus games of the season, you're going to be watching the Monteros, which you've been watching over the last, you know, four, five, six weeks and get a lot more playing time. We've seen some good things. Uh, Michael Tolia now enters the fray. And that's not to dismiss Sean Bouchard, who also came up and threw out his first major league hit. He had gotten seven at-bats earlier this year. Sean Bouchard uh, was originally a ninth-round pick. 20 home runs this year at Albuquerque. He's just 26, a couple years older uh, than Tolia. So, so you don't know. He could be a piece as well um, moving forward. But those are the things that I look at in a season that obviously is not a good season. Bad record. Um, it, so you go, well, what's left to, to watch? What's left to watch or how some of these young guys perform um, and get their opportunity in the best league there is. So uh, it was good to see Michael Tolia at a UCLA. Good to see Sean Bouchard at a UCLA uh, also. All right, man. Hope you uh, enjoyed this edition of the Drew Goodman podcast. Tell your friends, a reminder as always, to uh, check out my man Patrick Lyons, the DNVR Rockies podcast, and all the good product on DNVR, both the podcast uh, and the written material. Subscribe to, uh, to DNVR. And uh, get up to speed on not only the Rockies, but all the teams, both professionally and collegiately in the area. We'll do it again next week as this road trip continues uh, through Atlanta and Cincinnati. Next week, the Rockies home to take on Milwaukee and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So um, we have that on the horizon. Enjoy the U.S. Open. If you're a tennis fan, if you're not, become one. Uh, And we'll talk next week right here on the podcast. Take care, everybody. Stay well.